Are we here? Oh, oh no. no. I don't want anything to do with this shit. Got rid of it. <laughs> In this man, it's somebody's son, brother, husband. Somebody's missing this person. It's hard to believe. Oh, yeah, totally. True crime story time. Absolutely. So, Brookie, what do yeah, you got yeah. for us today? Oh, okay. Wait, so no announcements, right? I don't have any now. Okay. Will you shut up? Uh, but you asked. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Everybody just shut up. All right. So today I have the Dorothy Jane Scott case. Two. Mm. So, uh, so, how are you? Did you hear that? I farted. No. Was that, that was, you? That was me. <laughs> <laughs> thought it was one of your dogs or something. I just thought it was your chair. <laughs> Raz made that face and I'm like, why is he making that face? Just it, jealous of my farting power. Oh. All right. <laughs> All right. So today's case is on Dorothy Jane Scott. Am I coming through clear? Yes. Okay. Raz, did you hear this one yet? I don't think so. She was born April 23rd, 1948. She lived in Stanton, California. She was a single mother living with her aunt and her four-year-old son. She worked as a secretary for two joint stores. And the stores sold psychedelic items, lava lamps, love beads. So basically it was a head shop. Friends and coworkers said that she was a homebody. So she always stayed at home, spending time with her family. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that because I'm the same way. <laughs> Dorothy was a devoted Christian and really wasn't into drinking and drugs. But I think it's really funny, like, and this, tell me to stop if I'm sounding ridiculous, but isn't it like a devoted Christians don't usually work at head shops, right? Um, well, if you take into consideration how old she probably was, I wouldn't say that that was probably a head shop. That was just the style of the time. Lava lamps and, and you know, black light posters. And That's true. That now was, it's, you find it in a head shop now, you know. Yeah, Back then, then it, it was just a shop. It was just sold what was popular at the time. It doesn't yeah. mean she was involved in drugs or anything like that. So. Yeah, so I don't think of it much as, yeah. Okay, excuse me. Her parents lived nearby, and they babysat her son when she was working at the two stores. Her father said that Dorothy didn't really date that much. I mean, it was an on occasion, but it never really led to anything serious. So when she would work at these places, she would start to get really weird phone calls from a, a man. It says, well, Dorothy worked. She was starting to receive strange phone calls from a male. The male voice on the other end would profess his undying love for her and would then also tell her that he was going to kill her. That's nice. He could just send a dick pic and it'd be sort of professing love. I'm going to kill you. Dick pic. You've got the whole thing. Right. Right. Time passed. One phone call really, really stood out to her because it was, it really scared the shit out of her like yeah okay telling me that you love me and then that you're gonna kill me yeah that's some serious shit but just imagine like this one really stood out so how scary this one would be he said he was going to 
cut her up into little pieces and scatter her somewhere where no one will find her. Wow. So random man, no idea who the hell this guy is. He knows her, you know, he knows where she works. Yeah, that's. I mean, could you imagine? No. No. So after that phone call, naturally, Dorothy thought about buying a gun, which at this point, I agree with, you know, someone's telling me they're going to kill me and chop me up. A week before her disappearance, she started taking karate lessons. So she was preparing herself, you know. So May 28th, 1980 at 9 p.m., Dorothy was at an employee meeting for work. She noted that a coworker, the coworker's name was Conrad Boston, didn't look so well and he had a red mark on his arm. Then she and another coworker, her name is Pam, left the meeting to take Conrad to the emergency room. On the way to the hospital, they stopped by Dorothy's parents' place to check up on her son, um, you know, because she's probably going to be at the hospital late, you know, so she wanted to check up on the family. Oh, and then she she had a scarf on, so she changed her black scarf to a red scarf while she was there, before she left. The hospital, the doctor at the hospital noted that Conrad had been bitten by a black recluse spider. Ouch. Yeah. Not fun. No. As Conrad was being treated for this bite, Pam said he and Dorothy wouldn't leave his side. Like, they'd never left his side the entire time. When Conrad was discharged around 11 p.m., Conrad was discharged at 11 p.m., and he was given a prescription. Dorothy offered to bring her car to the front, so it would be easier for them to get into uh, the car and be quicker. She was worried about Conrad having to be not being able to walk to the car and whatever. Dorothy stopped to use the restroom on the way out to get her car. Um, As Pam and Conrad were walking out to the parking lot, they noticed Dorothy's car suddenly, like, started revving up and speeding up towards them. And he had, they had the headlights on very bright and it blinded them so they couldn't see who exactly was behind the wheel. Um, So they didn't get a good look at him, who it was, but it just uh, speeded out of the parking lot, leaving them there. They both yielded and waved their arms like, hey, you know, like, Dorothy, we're right here. What are you doing? You know, like, what's going yeah. on? And then the car just sped past them and it took a sharp right onto the road. Pam and Conrad assumed that she had an emergency, like maybe there was something going on with her son or something. So they tried contacting Dorothy a few times and then a couple hours later and they couldn't reach her. And they left. Oh, after they didn't hear any words about it. They left a report with the police and reported her missing. Around 4.30 a.m. on May 29th, Dorothy's car, a white 1973 Toyota station wagon, was found burning in a back alley about 10 miles away from the hospital. Did you say 4 a.m.? Yeah, 4 a.m. Her or her kidnapper weren't anywhere to be seen or found. On August 6, 1984, four years after Dorothy's disappearance, a construction worker discovered dog remains on top of what looked like human remains. And they assumed the reason for this was to keep like dogs from finding the scent of um, the corpse. Yeah. I guess, you know, try to trick them with the scent of a dead animal. 
Yeah, because the scent of another canine is going to smell completely different than a human. Right. So they found her the, those remains right off the Santa Ana Canyon Road. The bones were charred, and the police stated that they have been there for about two years. A brush fire had swept across the site in 1982. So the guy didn't burn her. her no. got charred because of the it just happened. Yeah. There was a yeah. fire in the area. Yeah. Right. She was wearing a turquoise ring and watch were also found at the site. So her turquoise ring and watch were found with her remains. Um, Dorothy's mother said the watch that was found was Dorothy's and the time stopped at 1230 a.m. That I don't know why that was important. I felt like it kind of like. Well, she got abducted from the hospital at 11. Yeah, just around right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, there's something there, but I don't really play it. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. So, yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. On um, May 29th, about an hour after her co workers last saw her car in the parking lot. So, I just told myself the answer to what I was confused about. And on August 22nd, the results of the autopsy could not determine the cause of death, but did indicate it was Dorothy's remains. So, well, by that point, she's just born. So, right. The, yeah. Unless Bones there's, unless there's marks fire. on the bone, yeah. Unless there's marks yeah. on the bone, then yeah. Um, the the service was shortly after that they discovered who the remains belonged to. About a week after Dorothy's disappearance, her parents received a phone call by an unidentified male voice saying only one thing. I got her, and then it, they hung up. So another weird phone call. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have these grieving parents that will be grieving that for the rest of their lives, and you're just going to go ahead and throw that on top of the cake, you know? The same man called almost every Wednesday afternoon for four years. What? Yeah. Four years every Wednesday afternoon. That That's would, why I remember this case so much. That it's would so mentally you up every oh, yeah. Wednesday. Oh, yeah. You know, it wasn't just her he was after. Coming. Yeah. Messed up. And you, it, when it becomes predictable. Yeah. You would dread Wednesday coming around. Yeah. And the police knew about it. I mean, of course, she's going to say something about it, but he would never stay on the phone long enough for them to even remotely get a trace of where this person is. Because he only says, like, oh. one or two things and hangs up. Yeah. You have to keep them on for a certain amount of time before you can take a trace it. And and you know this was in the eighties, so like that. Was yeah, like, it wasn't like the uh, the mobile. Well, you call them telephone pings and yeah. right. Uh-huh. So yeah, he called every Wednesday afternoon for four years, um, saying things like he had gotten Dorothy or that he had killed her. They were always brief, and usually were when Dorothy's mother was alone. I wouldn't be leaving Dorothy's mother alone after all those phone calls. No, right? Every Wednesday, I would want somebody there with me. Right. Poor lady. In April 1984, the man called during the evening. Dorothy's dad answered, and the calls suddenly stopped. So I'm just assuming Dorothy's mom picked up the phone every time. Yeah. Right. And now he's heard a, a male voice. And, and then he's, it just stopped. So every day for. Every Wednesday for four years, then all of a sudden it just stops. It's messed up. Yeah. 
around the time Dorothy's remains were found, the creepy calls started up again. So what like the phone calls happened after Dorothy died. Yeah. Then what and then it stopped. And then when they found her remains, the calls started coming back in. How fucked up are you? That's insane. Talk about trauma though. Oh my God, right? The grief they're going through right now. Like I feel that. It's insane. Yeah. Finally, the police installed a voice recorder at the Scott's residence. So, like I said, the 80s. That's yeah. um, Sadly, the phone calls were too short to be able to get any location or any notification of voice with the calls. On June 12th, 1980, an undefined male called the Orange County Register front desk, noted that the same day the papers ran through the case on the front page. So this was the same day the paper in the town ran her case. Did you say the Orange County Register? Yeah. Is that a paper? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, no, did I say it wrong? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't know it was a paper. That's what I wanted to make clear of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um. Yes. So this was the same day that that front page came out about her case. He calls the police. He goes, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied cheating. She denied having someone else. I killed her. Yeah. The caller stated they knew Conrad Boston and had suffered from the spider bite with the night the Scott had gone missing. They, she had a red scarf on uh-huh. and that it was black at one point, but she switched it. Wow. So he was like in it deep. Like he was watching her. Every yeah. Uh-huh. Neither of these details were in the newspaper. No one knew these details. So. Other than yeah. He's basically saying, I know these details because I did it. And this is how yeah. you know to take me right, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, so it wasn't even, like, mentioned in the article or anything. Um, The caller also mentioned that Dorothy had called him on that night she went missing from the hospital. Pam disputed that she was with her the entire time, and she made no phone calls. Um, The police and investigators believe that anonymous caller was instead, indeed, Dorothy's killer, obviously. (laughs) Right. The case was never solved. The police connected Dorothy's case to another case of Patricia Jean Shatner, who whose car was also found or burned. So they're just like linking them together. But I, to me, it doesn't sound like it would be. If that's the only link, that's a that's weak. That's that's definitely weak sauce. Weird note: the dog remains found on Dorothy's remains were to disguise the decomp okay we already discussed about that yeah Dorothy's roommates from the canine units and a blog on this case uh popped up from crime blogger 1983 so I just wanted to shout them out because I don't want to just take their shit um yeah had the opportunity to speak with Dorothy's son so that blogger did an article on this case and got to speak to the son. And 
The son said Mike Butler was a person of interest. He was an old friend of Dorothy's that they met through Mike's sister who had worked at the shop with her. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. According to the people who knew Dorothy, Mike was obsessed with her. He passed away from health complications in 2014. Uh, Rumors stated the military really had an effect on his mental health and he was involved in cult-like activities. But they couldn't prove it was him. Jacob, Dorothy's father, had often crossed paths with this guy on his way into town, like grocery shopping. But the local, the local gossip basically is that yeah. Mike did it, and he's seen him. Yeah, all the time. Guy. Um, Dorothy's. How do you hold your composure? I can't do that. Oh no. Well, I mean, I guess at that point you're just so mentally exhausted. And they're at a certain age. They're just like, what can I do? You know? Yeah. They're getting called every Wednesday to be tortured. Right. Like, Dorothy's parents passed away in 1994 and 2002. So that just goes to show, like, how recent this case is. I know 1980 sounds far. Yeah. Oh, they sadly never found out who took their daughter's life. Oh. Um, And that's it. Yeah, it was pretty short. Um. That is, yeah. And I still haven't found out. I that didn't is... know that about the so... the that guy Mike, but I've always thought it had to be somebody that worked with her because how would they have known Conrad's name? Right. How There's... would they have known what you know? It, it yeah, she was at the hospital. Like, yeah. Right. Scarf color, like it yeah. had to be connected to somebody that she worked with. It had to. So it makes sense that her the sister works there, but I would think it would need to be first person, not just through the sister, because again, he wouldn't necessarily unless he known. was there, maybe picking right. up his sister or dropping her off, or or maybe he was right. just someone that hung out in the background, yeah, from a friend, you know, that is in the group. Yeah, right. I can't get the Wednesday phone call out of my head. That would fuck me up. That's why it's always stuck to my head because that they just that's terrorism, man. They just tortured her parents. You, I can, I can feel the anxiety of that phone call ringing. Absolutely. I mean, we all grew up with house phones, you know, that ring, ring, ring sound. Yeah, yeah. Just knowing. Yeah. But I oh, would tell oh. you, once she was found, when the calls started again, I would change my number because now they know where she is. So I would change my number. Well, I mean, I by this point, it. I mean, by this point, in the, or if it's somebody who knows, what's to say that changing your phone call would make a difference? True. Yeah. Like and I mean, changing your number. Prior to her not being found, like I've, I've said that if, you know, one of my kids was missing, I would not move. I no. would not change my number. Oh, absolutely not. not. Yeah. No, uh, no, no. So, but once she was found, like, you know, don't give them that access to you. Change your number, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the story is because the phone calls are just... Yeah. It's crazy. Just that's insane. just... That's torture. It absolutely it is. is torture. So he's getting a kick out of killing their daughter, but also now... Oh, he's getting... Family. Every Wednesday, he's getting to relive it. And time. he did that for how long? Four years. I every mean, Wednesday that's... Afternoon. That's and then it starts again. That is absolutely psychological torture. 
absolutely there's no but other it's reason it's got to be it. so when they know how do they get the Go phone number how do they well it was a lot you know back then phone our book. numbers were published in phone books a lot more oh, yeah. than, i forgot those existed sorry yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, and I mean, it was very easy to call 411 and say, yes, I'd like the number for razzle dazzle in, you know, Utah. Where the hell that boy lives in England? I don't know. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's all you had to do back then. Yeah. So, but again, and if you wanted an unlisted number, you had to pay oh, for it. Well, and then like, with everything going on, like with all the, equipment that we have now you would think that maybe they would test something her bones or anything. oh i mean what is there to test though yeah her token bracelet and her necklace or her watch but if it's been burned then anything that's on there is long that's gone true. yeah there's 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 nothing to test i mean it's it's and if the guy they think did it died I mean, what DNA, but even what would be the point of having his DNA? Because there's no physical evidence. There's nothing. Well, if he's been cleared, then there's no reason for the time. No. Somebody got away with it, basically, and then kept reliving oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. That, that's going to mess with my head, that one. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. You're welcome. <laughs> and that's why we do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's At least they're not talking about a goddamn turkey baster anymore. <laughs> the moist one? Oh, just the tip, remember, just the tip. Oh, oh my crap. God, when you posted that the other day, Rez, I about lost it. I was like, oh, you shut your mouth. <laughs> you shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> filthy. You're filthy. <laughs> Well, that was an interesting story, Brookie. Yeah, well yeah. done. Um, That's got to be one that sticks with me, that one, definitely. I, it was short, but I, I mean, it just, it leaves. That, There's it so just, many yeah, questions. It stays with you. There's yeah. so many questions. And I'm going to look into it more um, to see if they, like, you know, unless they just called it quits and just left her alone, let her, her body rest, you know, but. Well, it I makes you wonder. That... And you got to remember, she left kids. You know, did they carry on trying to fight for justice or? Yeah. So we'll get back to that in another episode, kids. Yes. <laughs> I, I, okay, you guys. All right. Uh, well, okay. love you guys. Okay. Right. Talk to you later. And we'll talk in like a, 10 seconds in chat. So there we go. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah so. <laughs> of course. Bye. Bye. Love you guys. Love Bye. you.